Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> is that still a relevant thing, or is that now gone? Is 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 Little John just? It's just ten it's years not, ago. It's not as relevant as it used to be, but it is still relevant. People still reference him, and apparently, he is still putting out music. So true. <laughs> you know, he kudos, is. Kudos, well. kudos, kudos to him for keeping his career going. But right. I. I I wonder if that's gone the way of Yeah Baby, you know, of... Uh, oh, sure. Yeah Baby. Wait, yeah Baby's gone? So. What about Yas Queen? Uh, I think that's still in effect, although yeah. I, I I can't prove it. <laughs> I, I still find it highly annoying, so it must well, still okay. be working. Are we still doing phrasing? I have nope, no idea. apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> no Archer Andy. fans in the room. Fine. Andy Andy pulls out the lead balloon. Yeah, it's just, a great place for this. Weep, bonk. Just can't seem to get into Archer. Every time I try, I'm just like, nope, not you know what, having Jeff? it. You and I are are together on this one. It's mm. it doesn't help that I was a fan of Bob's Burgers before I ever watched Archer, because because oh. his uh, that actor's voice is so unique that it's really hard to separate. Yeah, yeah. H. John Benjamin. But but to have him as a a spy after listening to him as the father of Bob's Burgers. You know what I think it is? I think it's the uh, the Cleveland syndrome, where you have a great side character, but not necessarily a character that can carry a show. And because H. John Benjamin is a character actor, he's great in supporting roles. But I think the fact that he has to try to carry the show with Archer. I just, it's, it's not working well and Bob's Burgers too, but yeah, I, I'm but also that, not a fan of Bob's Burgers. So, but as a fan of Bob's Burgers, he's not the center of the show. It's an ensemble show. I mean, okay. he's, his voice is in every one of them, but he's usually not the focus of episodes. True. Yeah. My wife got me this, uh, hint water. Uh, it, it, water? It's, it's caffeinated water. Okay. Exactly. And it's surprisingly refreshing. It's kind of like when you go to the fancy hotel and they got the, the water with the fruit sitting in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. But apparently there's caffeine in here. Hint water. I thought maybe it came with a message on the bottom, like take right. out the garbage. Right. <laughs> Get a job. You're right, it does. Get, Get a the garbage. <laughs> yeah, Do your right. homework. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 604. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check dandy. And we're here to talk Week in Geek. Oh, gentlemen, now, before we go on, uh, the Geek Shock Book Club has chosen the book for September, and that book is Billy Summers, the new book by Stephen King. Uh, Billy Summers is a man in a room with a gun. He's a killer for hire and the best in the business, but he'll do the job only if the target is truly a bad guy. And now Billy wants out. But first, there's one last hit. Billy is among the best snipers in the world, a decorated Iraq war vet, a Houdini when it comes to vanishing after the job is done. So what could possibly go wrong? How about everything? This spectacular 
can't-put-it-down novels, part war story, part love letter to small-town America and the people who live there. And it features one of the most compelling and surprising duos in King fiction who set out to avenge the crimes of an extraordinarily evil man. It's about love, luck, fate, and a complex hero with one last shot at redemption. How many, how many thousands of pages is it? I don't know. That's the description from the book. Uh, I've got it set at the library to borrow, but I'm like sixth person in a, in in line, so Uh-oh. I'll get to it eventually as soon as it, it it opens up to me. But that is the book for September. Uh, when you hear this, discussions will have already opened up, but uh, that's going to take a little while for people to read this, I think. But uh, the new Stephen King book, Billy Summers, uh, my understanding, not a horror book, a crime thriller. And uh, I've read some of his uh, his crime novels in the past, and pretty good stuff. Cool. So, gentlemen, what geeky things did you do this week? Uh, we'll start with you, Andy. All right. I went back to Six Flags and saw the other part of the park. Uh, <laughs> turns out I saw about three-quarters of the park before. The quarter I missed, eh. Yeah, there's the Looney Tunes section in it, but it's, you know, Kitty Land for the most part. It's and a couple stuff. And a couple really insane roller coasters that, you know, it was, I was actually there on Labor Day. Like I just, mm. I, I just had a, I had a couple hours on Labor Day. I'm like, all right, well, there's no crowd as I drive by. I'll go in and like, I found how deep the parking lot is. It's pretty damn deep. And, and I'm guessing uh, the place was absolutely oh, it crowded. Was packed. It was packed. I waited for like 20 <laughs> minutes at the point on the Thunderbolt field wooden roller coaster I went on, and uh, you know, I was sitting next to the sign that said you're half hour from this point, and in 20 minutes I hadn't moved. And I was, uh, I'm just gonna go back out of here. Uh. <laughs> It's uh, one well, thing I don't was, miss about theme parks is yeah. are the lines. It's, There's a theme park I really I probably won't get a chance to do it this year, but it's it's in my list now. There's a theme park in southern central Connecticut that's ancient, um, and uh, it's like 100 years old. And there's still some old rides from back 100 years. Oh, that's great. Uh, Six Flags it used to be Riverside Park, and it's over 100 years old. But there's nothing I can find in there that's still left from that from from the early days. Um, I, I love the old mama pop parks. That's that's one thing I love about the carpetbagger YouTuber that goes to all these little kitschy touristy places. I've mm-hmm. mentioned him quite a few times in the past. He is he is my my virtual vacation to all these near forgotten theme parks around the nation. I love, absolutely love it. So so I love living this through you as well, Andy. Lake Compounds. That's the name of the park. Um, it's right on the shores of the lake of Lake Compounds, which is an actual lake. And I've, I've driven by it, and I saw that there's a roller coaster that skirts around the edge of the between the lake and a and a pretty big hill. So I kind of want to see what that looks like. But another time, uh, I watched uh, half of Frankenstein Island based on John <laughs> Bean Hastings talking about watching it. Uh, wow, it's, it's it's even worse than he described. It's it's. <laughs> insanely bad it was purely insomnia theater and it worked i I got through half of it i'm like well time to go to bed okay okay back up a little Uh, bit what inspired you to watch this what did john John, do john bean hastings is watching his i don't know how many horror movies he's trying to get through a bunch of horror movies in september and october so he recommended well he didn't recommend he talked about watching frankenstein island he watched the riff tracks version of it it is incomprehensible it's insane i mean it starts off right off the bat it's balloonists that crash and uh one of the first discussions they have is about building a raft while they're holding a raft they're holding an inflatable raft and talking about building a raft it's like all right (laughs) it it, 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 sounds like a modern how old is this 
uh, 80s, but it looks like 70s. Okay. Yeah. So so it sounds very uh, late Manos Hands of Fadish. Yeah, it's uh, John Carradine's in it, so you know. Oh, well, that's yeah. always a wonder. That, that tells you right there. Late, late yeah. John Carradine is... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. I, I may watch the other half eventually, but uh, it's not... I'm not rushing out to do it. Uh, I watched uh, Shang-Chi. Are we going to talk about that later on? Or or anybody else see it besides me? I know Jeff was going to see it. I did see it, yes. Yeah, I Chris, did you see it? Yet. I, I have haven't seen, seen it either. So All right. I'll, I'll wait on giving, but I really enjoyed the hell out of it. I really yeah, thought you it. Can, was... you, give, you, can, you're, you can give us a non-spoiler yeah, version yeah. of I this. I mean, it, it's definitely Marvel Universe, but uh, there's enough shifts and changes in the, in the uh, set pattern that I was happy with it. I love Aquafina. She's delightful in it. I don't know if that character exists outside of the MCU, but she's definitely fun. It's, it's more of a martial arts movie than a superhero movie by a lot. Which it should be, right? Based on but your it, worries last week. Yeah, but I mean, it it it, it really does feel like uh, it really does feel like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon more, more than it feels like uh, uh, Falcon and Snowman, Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, <laughs> I'm never gonna get that out of my head. It's always Falcon <laughs> and Snowman. <laughs> but yeah, I I really uh, saw it in. Uh, probably HD. I didn't see it in 3D. Uh, I saw later on that you know, there were 3D options, and I think this one might be worth seeing in 3D, just from what I saw. Oh. It looked like the 3D action looks pretty pretty, pretty natural for what was going on and would have enhanced it. Uh, and then I watched uh, What If? Marvel Zombies, man. You gotta catch up on it. I, I'm caught up with everything but that one. I did, I did watch uh, the other yeah. two What Ifs. Okay, and they're good. Mm-hmm. I they're they're good, but they're just not drawing me in. Yeah, weird, right? Did they do Marvel Zombies justice? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I, I uh, definitely was very creepy. The, they were doing their using their powers and being zombies, and a weird selection of uh, people were not zombies yet. So you know, it was uh, like uh, the Russian guy from Ant Man. It's it's Spider Man and. Uh, and uh, um, what's her name? Oh, crap. Uh, the tough chick from uh, Black Panther. Uh, crap. It's, it's a great collection of people that are not zombies yet. And, they're, and they've got a goal they're trying to solve. And, uh, and some weird stuff happens. I'm like, oh, I did not see that coming. I, I, are you, oh, oh is, it, is it Okoye? Is that the character you're thinking of? Uh, the head of his, his guards? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Okay. But yeah, it's interesting that it, it, it's not following the Marvel zombies from the book. It's actually set from the Marvel zombies MCU. Yeah. You, you know what? Th- this seems like it's the only way they could have tackled this story. So any way that they're going to do it, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. I don't, I don't mind. They didn't follow any kind of yeah preset zombie stuff. If they're doing any Marvel zombies, it's a gift to us all. I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to this. It, it feels like something they want to go back to. This is a good way, in general, of them just testing the waters with a lot of stuff. Right. I mean, right. with the Avengers Who Done It thing, that was a whole different feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doctor Strange thing, you're right, a whole different kind of pathos. And what I feel the true heart of what if should be. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. I hope that they are just fishing with this Marvel Zombies thing, saying, okay, will this this caught fire with the comic book people? Will it catch fire with the Marvel right. movie people and get people... 
get people to watch Disney Plus, you bet they will create a well, series. And that's of a lot of what I like about the series is the fact that they can go places they can't go in the MCU, and it doesn't have to have have a happy ending. Exactly. Right. And that, and that does tickle uh, tickle my heart. That's about it. All right, Jeff. What did you do this week? So, uh, as as I mentioned, or well, as Andy mentioned, I did go see Shang Chi and the, the Legend of the Ten Rings. That is a very well shot movie. The action sequences are amazing. It's very colorful. It definitely has a very Eastern feel to it, without being that sort of this is a Western version of what we interpret an Eastern movie to be. So it's not entirely without some of that Eastern heart. I'm I'm being very careful to be spoiler-free here. I think it was a really good origin movie. Um, it definitely sets up, just like the past origin movies does, it sets it up with mysteries to be solved later on in the MCU. And and the acting is, is incredible. Um, everybody that they brought in was fascinating. I mean, of course, Michelle Yeoh, she's... She's always going to be tip-top in everything she's in. The guy that played Shang-Chi, whose name escapes me right now, he was fantastic. Aquafina, I've seen her in other things where she's kind of gotten on my nerves, just the, the type of character she plays. But in this movie, it works really well as the best friend. And I also liked that they didn't go with that normal best friend that becomes lovers kind of thing. Like, she is literally just his best friend throughout, and it's just, that is the core of their relationship. It's a it's a closeness based on mutual admiration and friendship that doesn't, quote, have to be something that evolves into a lover relationship. So I, I, I like that they did that with the movie, because so many movies take that easy way out to, it's like, oh, we're just friends, but we want to be more, blah, blah, blah. No, they just want to be friends, because they just in, genuinely enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. I mean, seeing him in the in the uh, uh, trailers and stuff, I'm like, eh, all right. I mean, not the look I was thinking. He looks a little round for me. He looks a little little doughy. And then he gets in the you know, in, in the movie. It's like, oh no, he's not doughy at all. He's he's no. just has that face. But uh, but yeah, I I definitely recommend checking it out, and I do recommend seeing it on the big screen because this is a movie that because of the kind of the spectacle nature of some of it without being, you know, beat you over the head spectacle, definitely benefits from being exhibited on the big screen. Like I said, it's it's hard to give you specifics without being spoilery, but just some of the imagery definitely takes advantage of the real estate that you're going to have on a big screen. Do you agree with so, me about the, the, the 3D stuff? That looks like there's... When you're shooting a movie for 3D conversion, they do tend to do more camera work setting up that that conversion so they i definitely felt like they shot it for 3d uh i'll be honest i wasn't aware that that was available in 3d because it didn't pop up in any of the uh the listings when uh when i went to go see it last week it you know it was in the you know your your sony digital cinema your imax and it was in your xd that they show at the the cinemark theaters so yeah talk about xd 3d has got it triple Another movie that I watched uh, actually just a couple of days ago is uh, Love and Monsters. It's on both Hulu and Epics. That was a fun little movie. It stars Dylan O'Brien, who I 
wasn't familiar with. I knew I'd seen him in a few things, but I just I wasn't aware of who he was. But uh, he was he's the lead character in the movie The Maze Runner, which is one of those movies that's popular with the kind of the younger generation. He plays Joel, who's kind of the uh, you know the key figure in the movie. It uh, has uh, I'll call it more than just an ex- kind of an extended cameo by Michael Rooker. Which of course it's it's beneficial to the storyline. It helps drive the storyline forward. Uh, but the premise of the movie is that there's this giant asteroid that is headed for Earth, and humanity does what humanity does. They shoot a bunch of rockets at it and blow it up. But unfortunately, the chemicals that were from the rockets drifted back down onto Earth and essentially mutated a lot of insects and like lizards and, you know, kind of your lower life forms and they become you these have massive... my attention, sir. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it turns them into these kind of massive, basically human killers. And mm. so humanity has moved underground into these little bunkers, like kind of these old abandoned bunkers. And right, bugs um, never get underground. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that that's that's one of the driving forces of the movie without being spoilery is that how do you deal with certain above ground dwelling creatures that are trying to kill you as well as, you know, some of the ones that are underground. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like I said, I hesitate to say too much more about it, but that's kind of the interesting thing about it. There's a girl that he met prior to this, quote unquote, apocalypse and he finally locates her in one of these other bunkers, and so he decides that he's going to take a seven-day trek above ground to uh, her outpost to visit her. Uh, he man, hasn't seen we'll it in like seven years, and so uh, that's where that was the you know the primary start of the movie. Uh, but it's very beautifully shot, and the CG is not like overwhelming ridiculous it's it it kind of looks like if they had to use practical creatures in some areas which they might have done a blending of cg and and practical in the film i haven't come across any of that info in my background on the movie but uh it was it was released i guess middle of the year last year and i'm glad i watched it because it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it so jeff um, did you i did think you ever watch the uh film Monsters from 2010, Gareth Edwards' first film about the NASA probe that crash-landed into Mexico and basically created all these monsters and a guy has to go into that area to rescue somebody and get her out. That's, um, that it, sounds, sounds it sounds similar familiar. to this. It, it, it does sound similar to this. I'm, I, I'm trying to remember if I have seen that because, goodness knows, 11 years ago, that's a lot of movies back. <laughs> it, it's a good movie. It's... You know, it did a really good to... job with such a low budget. Let's put it that right. way. Yeah. The reviews I've heard of Love and Monsters is is sort of like there's the teen romance angle, the teen yeah. angle is 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 integral to the movie. So it's it's not just like some guy following his dick to, yes. you know, <laughs> see a chick. Which right. I mean, hey, that's that's how civilization, you know, happens. Like I said, Todd, you know, I think this would be a movie you would really enjoy. And then your reaction, based on my initial description, definitely leads me to believe you should check this movie out. It's Mysterious space gases making growing weird monster creatures out of insects? Yeah. Please, I'm there. Oh, just like Colorado Space, right, Todd? It's like Colorado (laughs) Space. Colorado Space. Colorado Space. 
But yeah, um, it's on both Hulu and Epics. If you watch it on Hulu, just be prepared to watch two minutes of ads before the movie starts. But then after it starts, there's no ads till the very end. So, And then uh, the other thing that I really got intrigued with is Only Murders in the Building. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I watched the first episode of that one. That is delightful. I wasn't sure. I mean, Steve Martin and Martin Short can do no wrong in my eyes, like when the two of those guys pair up. I wasn't sure how well they were going to integrate with Selena Gomez because I haven't really seen her in anything as far as like an acting part. But the three of them together are just delightful. They play off of each other so well. I mean, obviously, Steve Martin and Martin Short play off of each other well because they've known each other for so long. But the three of them, at least on screen and in some of the uh, uh, interviews for the film, play off each other like, you know, like Selena Gomez has been part of the trio just as long. Uh, It's actually really impressive. The premise of the film is, or well, it's a series, sorry, I should say, uh, is that there is a murder that happens in a building that the three of these characters, these three lead characters live in. And they're all bonded uh, in the first episode over the fact that they're a big fan of the uh, this podcast that's about uh, a murder that took place in Oklahoma. And so after that, there's this murder in their own building, they just start to, they start to, uh, they decide to start their own podcast about this murder in in that that had occurred in their building and that's where you know that's the uh, inciting incident and it really is kind of fun watching the three of them interact interacting with the other people in the building i would say the only downside to this series is that uh i wasn't aware that it's a weekly series so i caught the first four episodes and went to go watch episode five realizing it's not available till next tuesday so, uh, yeah, yeah I, I may hold off and watch the rest of it when it's all up there because I, I, like I said, I, I caught the first episode and I really enjoyed it. Martin Short was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this week. Yes. And uh, uh, he was talking about uh, when they were filming, apparently at some point, Selena Gomez was reciting the lyrics of Wet Ass Pussy to Steve Martin. Yes. Yeah. She uh, <laughs> she introduced uh, in her own words, she introduced some really inappropriate songs to both Steve Martin and Martin Short uh, <laughs> while while they were not filming or while they were waiting for camera setups and stuff. And uh, uh, and apparently the three of them really bonded over that and talking about comedy and the history that, of course, Steve Martin and Martin Short both have with comedy separately as well as together. Mm-hmm. And Selena Gomez just kind of picking their brains as far as, you know tips for acting and so forth and and then of course like i said uh her her (laughs) introducing them to really inappropriate music but also uh the fact that steve martin is a world-class musician and was aware of much of her recording catalog and that really impressed her because she didn't expect him to know anything that she had done and he he did uh so I, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. But like I said, just the three of them, it's it's like a, a, a three amigos if one of the amigos was like the the granddaughter of mm-hmm. an amigo that had passed on and became part of the, the trio. She's got chops. Selena Gomez, she's been plagued by 
the early Bieber <laughs> thing, oh, sure. and also the fact that, uh, it, in all truth, that she perpetually looks 12. You know, the fact that her face just stopped aging at 12. And that and the, the, the singing background, it's like people can, you can kind of sell her short, but I've seen bits and pieces of things over time where I'm like, oh, now I'd heard of of this uh, series, but it's only after you mention her, Jeff, that I'm actually really, really intrigued to see this. Yeah, I, and it, it's it's one of those things. It's like it's not that I actively avoided anything that she was in. I just right. had hadn't seen anything with her in it, so I hadn't there, really formed an opinion one way or nothing another. Nothing to draw you, yeah. But yeah. like I said, having seen her in this, I'm really impressed. Uh, not just with her acting ability in the role that she's in, but the way that the three of them together are so impressive in, in playing each of their characters cool. and how those three characters interact. It feels very believable. Yeah. If so that in, makes sense. In Martin Short's uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me appearance, he talked about uh, he and Steve Martin and Tom Hanks every four years have a colonoscopy party. So, you know, you might want to think about that next time, Kirsten. Yay! Are you saying that that's what we need to do? I am saying I'm saying those three guys and somebody else too, some producer. We need to do. Andy does colonoscopies like once every century. Steve <laughs> refuses to get one. You that's two haven't I mean. gotten yours yet. That's what I mean. We'll we'll make it we'll make it a big old butt party. We got to synchronize our sphincters. There you go. Sure, uh, like like women who have been working together too long. If it'll make you feel better, Kirsten, I have already planned to talk with my GP about it on my next appointment, which is coming up soon, and see what she says. Okay. Well, you know, no, it's I, not, it's, I owe you a babysitting uh, gig, so like, you know. Like I said, your experience is not lost on me, and I had just been reading up on that recently, and they said that. You know, originally they were recommending it if you were once you're over 50 having one, but now they're saying over age 45. And yes, so I'm they've moved it to now. 45. Yeah. Yeah. And really, the you know, it's covered by Obamacare. It's it's in the mandate. Um, the laxative is unpleasant, but it's nothing. It doesn't kill you. It's just this hellacious inconvenience. Right, and, that's the point of the party. Is that that the party is? Is it hanging out the night before, drinking the stuff and go. playing cards? Just, just get a bunch of chem toilets in a circle, and yeah. you know, just sit there blowing your asses. None uh, of us has every, enough toilets in our homes. Every, uh, yeah, really, we don't. It's just you know, Steve. I could give him a big slap. So, and you know, uh, just to be cautionary tale, it's uh, my sister-in-law. Uh, never did it, and she's paid the price. So, it's it's nothing. It really is nothing, and it can actually be very, 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 very preventative. Very, very yes. useful. So, all right. So get vaccinated and get your colonoscopy, guys. There you yes. go. Be Our like public me. service announcement. Get, get the uh, endoscopy at the same time. Get it from both ends. Show and how tough you are. Yes, and, and definitely get vaccinated, just like Andy said, because there's no reason for these numbers to be spiking the way that they are. There is an FDA-approved vaccine that's available. It's safe. It's one of the safest vaccines in oh. a very long time. 
if you if you are into mysticism, the horse Dwalmir. Um, <laughs> it's a magical incantation, and it just you know it protects you against everything except socialism. So. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to take this moment right now. I need to apologize. No shit. To everyone that has listened to the podcast over the last few weeks. Do not get Hades. What? Do not get it. What happened? Because it will take over your life. Mm-hmm. It'll oh. be all that you want to do. Yeah. It. it it's... Usually I get drawn into games, the, the one more turn itis games like Civilization or, mm. or either the strategy kind of games. Those are the mm. ones that I kind of have to delete from my game system so that they yeah. don't take over my life. Mm-hmm. This is the first action game I can think of that has done that. Oh, uh, so so dangerous. Uh, Barry got it and he has been cursing my name ever since ah. because his productivity <laughs> has gone to zero. Well... Barry is oh, yeah. so easily manipulated and controlled. I've been, it's I've been role playing Kirsten this week. I've been playing uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Two, and uh, I, I'm I'm hating the story shit. Like, why? Well, just want to kill shit. Stop making me do these. these yes, I don't want to do another yes. escort mission. God damn it. Yes, that's right. Escort. Oh fuck. <laughs> second thing in is an escort. I got to save something. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So Hades, <laughs> it's wonderful. I'm still you, playing it. Oi, is it generating a lot of Haiti? <laughs> and like I said, as of last week, I'd beaten the game and yeah. I'm still playing it. Achievement unlocked one percent. There's still more. Yeah, right. There's still more story that's being unfolded, and still more upgrades and and story. weapons and abilities that are are still presenting themselves. There are still surprises to be had. Oh, Todd. And so it's. I don't know. It's Todd. not done with me. It's the not joy on your face. I have to tell the viewers out there, you're so happy talking about this, though. It is. I mean, absolutely buy it. It's fantastic. Oh, no, I didn't mean <laughs> to say that. It's taking over my brain. Oh. You got a demon on your back, baby. Dude, it's, it's, a, it's a parasite. It's ah, a parasite, well, and I, can, I cannot control what I say when talking about it. It's wonderful. Well, buy it. No, don't do it. No, no. Ivermectin. That'll, if it's a parasite. <laughs> Yeah, that one might actually fit. get that horse paste, <laughs> or you know what? Just get some library paste. I mean, at this point, does it matter? Uh. <laughs> I have been waiting for a while for a show to finally be as entertaining as Tabletop. Tabletop, the wheel we- Will Wheaton teaches you a board game and then plays the board game and edits it in such a way that it's entertaining from beginning to end was a wonderful thing. And I've been waiting for it since it went away. Yeah. I have now found a show that might have done it. What? I, I, it's a YouTube channel that started just about a year ago. I mean, kudos starting a board game channel on YouTube in the middle of lockdown pandemic and they're doing it in the uk where the lockdown is happening a lot more than it is here in the u.s but they have done it the the channel is called no rolls bard it is absolutely charming the group together just works wonderfully well 
And this last week, they finally released an episode of them playing a board game together in the same room. Up till now, it's all been online, a lot of uh, stuff over Twitch and and so on. But that's been entertaining, but they've been mostly party games because that works better in that way. Now they're finally able to get together on a table and they shoot it in a way not as slick as tabletop, but take some of the varying beats that tabletop works like uh, where they would do interviews afterwards and cut them in as single person asides in the middle of the game. And they're really good at that. Uh, the group is made up of board game enthusiasts and some of them are also professional actors. So they're able to bring that amount of chops into it and that entertaining ability that they have. Uh, the first episode they were able to do together was cosmic encounter, a game that, Stems back to the 80s. I've seen it. And I've never really been interested in it until I watched them play it. And now I'm quite, quite interested in playing it. After seeing it in action with people who not only enjoy it, but can actually embrace the, even though it is not a role-playing game, the role-playing side of playing various aliens. Uh, Do Do you know, Todd, what edition of Cosmic Encounter it was? I believe it is the Fantasy Flight edition, the the okay. latest edition. All right, because they change it a lot. They yes. I've played the original Mayfair Games version, and boy, do they change it a lot. I really like the original version, so I actually have a bias against the later stuff. It looks like they've done a good job with it. I think the game comes with fifty different aliens that you can be. So you're you're not starved for what random ability you're going to get in the game. The game is basically when the creators made it, they wanted to make risk that wasn't ponderous, that wasn't just slow and mm. uninteresting. And they seem to succeed to doing it, where everyone plays an alien race trying to take over a certain amount of planets. It's 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 very simple concept and very simple gameplay and how it's executed, but so different every time you play it mm. that it's uh, it doesn't lose its luster. In fact, the guy that created the channel, it's his favorite board game of all time. What's the all channel time. called again? The ch- channel is called No Rolls Bard. Uh, I oh, believe oh, they used oh. to have a wrestling channel. Maybe even st- st- it might still be in effect called No Holds Bard. So, kudos on continuing your your theme. Now, Bard. Uh, uh, B-A-R-R-E-D or <laughs> yes B-A- you're right it could go either way B-A-R-R-E-D uh, uh, it, it, it could go anyway who knows which way it might go H-O-L-E-Z B-A-R-D there has been a lot of channels out there that are trying to do real live play board games and frankly most of them are dry and uninteresting. It's hard. It is. It's hard. It's- Will Wheaton's Will Wheaton has said the reason he hasn't gone back to tabletop is it's tough. It is a lot harder than you think to make an episode. Well, not only that, but a big fallout with his producer too didn't help. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah I was trying to be nice, Todd. Yeah, okay. when you say when you say the uh, tabletop is gone, I mean. It's still it's out gone. there, right? So you, you can't even watch old episodes yeah, anymore? You can watch old episodes, but they're not making new ones. Yeah, okay. no more new ones. Uh, yeah. And I've watched the old episodes, most of them twice and three times over. Yeah. Wow. Todd's a, Todd's a geek. 
He does. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, he's seen all the science fiction movies that there are to see, so you know, might as well watch Tabletop like three times. Right. 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 And crane videos. Lots of yes. Crane. Yes. Want to say those plus time kids? Kids are still doing a good job of it. <laughs> They're playing this uh, Mar this Marvel Avengers coin pusher that I'm Jesus, absolutely enthralled Andy. by it. Andy, what did you fucking do? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what's uh, board game geek? The know-all, be-all of of tabletop gaming information uh, has their own YouTube channel, and they do a show called Game Night, and it's fine. Uh, they they do a fine job of teaching you how to play and then playing a game, but a, they and they they edit it finely, but it's just not that interesting so it's great to see one that's entertaining again what's that other one that you like todd the uh the uk guys who do uh, one and yeah, shut up and sit down they don't yeah, really do yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they don't really do so much live plays they do it occasionally and it's fun when they do but it's rare but their reviews are the best board reviews. game reviews okay okay uh right. anywhere their their reviews are fantastic so if you want board game reviews, shut up and sit down. If you want board game live play with high entertainment, no rolls barred. That's the state of board game YouTube these days. So, Kirsten, what do you do this week? I have to say that uh, I didn't see today's What If, but I did catch up the last week. I saw the Doctor Strange, very poignant. Uh, not pertinent, Professor Biggs. Poignant. Um, it was sad. I had the feels. I'm a big Rachel McMat McAdams fan, so. I really enjoy when um, the publishers, when they'll play with their concepts and look at alternate versions. Uh, I always have, even as a kid, that was one of the things that uh, DC, Earth 2, God, I loved Earth 2 stories when I was a kid. So one of the aspects of what if that they're doing I really enjoy is the fact that they just look at different stuff if i was ever to you know achieve some level of whatever that marvel or dc was to ask me to come in i would actually just be like can i work outside of continuity and just do weird shit because i think that's the funnest so i really do i really did enjoy the the what if um i also uh caught up on my lower decks <laughs> the mugatu it's really funny because one of the gags through it is everybody goes through different pronunciations of Mugatu. And they they pretty much pronounce Mugatu as 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 many different ways as you possibly can throughout that whole episode. And it it's a oh God, dude, it's just it's funny. They reference the shit out of older episodes and they they pull things together. Uh I don't want to actually uh you know talk about the plot to be spoilerish because bits and pieces are surprises but they just they just they just grab uh, all over original series next generation dsi they just grab everywhere and bring it all together and it's really funny because there's so much about lower decks that it does what the man babies complain the other treks are not doing it loves it loves the previous stuff it loves the previous uh, lore and it brings it all in and it does such a it does such a hilarious job that it's just so good 
And yet just, the man babies still want to complain. About I, you know, well. you know, you just can't, you can't, you can't win. <laughs> yeah. You can't please any of the people, any of the time. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, Whatever no, Lincoln I, said when he was talking about the internet, but. Oh, I think you're right. I think you just can't please anybody anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, at least, sad. at least the, the vocal minority. Yeah. You know, the the loud minority, because it is it's it's a treat. I really do enjoy Lower Decks. I'm glad uh, that I do actually um, paradoxically forget about it, because then a couple weeks later, I remember and I go and I watch two or three episodes. And it is just so much damn fun. And it's just so, on Paramount right now or whatever. I believe so. That's how I watch it. So it's it's on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Unless you live outside of the United States, then it's on Amazon Prime Video, I think, like in most of the rest of the world, which is... Jeff, it's a good thing you bring that up because our sponsor, VPN, you can actually watch other streaming services if you're on a VPN and you actually say that you're in another country. So yep. you can actually, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just kidding. We don't have sponsors. See it. It's I'm worth it. On, I'm working on getting a sponsor from my... Uh... My uh, type 2 alcoholism I'm working on. <laughs> type 2 alcoholism? alcoholism? Uh, yeah, I can give yourself type 2 diabetes by uh, eating too many sugary things. I'm, I'm working on seeing it. It's a science experiment. I'm seeing if I can do it. Oh, I see. Diabetes just through alcohol? Yeah. No, oh. alcoholism just through alcohol. What, what, well, what? that's how it works, Andy. That's just, not type that's 2. That's type that's 1. There's more to it. <laughs> Not everybody's the... predisposed to alcoholism. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying oh, that's to it. Water. That's it. I am not predisposed, and I'm going to get it, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow, where the hell was I before all that happened? <laughs> Beyond that, actually, I've, uh, I've picked up a few issues of Knights at the Dinner Table. I haven't actually caught up yet. I've got... Three issues in holding, so I'm going to be binging those next next few days. So I'll report on that next week. Nights at the Dinner Table is always entertaining, though. One of the longest-running creative teams in comics. I don't know how they keep it fresh, because they just talk about a gaming group. Uh, they talk about several gaming groups, but the interactions, the characters, they constantly expand and explore within the realm of what they've created, and it's... Those guys, those guys are amazing. Hats off to them once again. I guess I would call, I uh, would say that's about it. I'm reading Glenn Cook, the godfather of Grimdark. He did the Black Company in the 1980s. And that was sort of the beginning of the really heavy, dark fantasy where shit doesn't work out. Characters die. It's... It's like, what in the hell is going on here? He put out a new book. It's kind of a prequel in wow. that it's it takes place in between some of the earlier books. Uh, but it's still it's still got its stuff. Uh, Cook is uh, he's great at dialogue. He brings that whole weary Vietnam military, uh, you know, feel to a fantasy i guess you could sort of you know expand into like afghan he he does he just does a great job it's a great world it's great characters 
I think that is the best description I have ever heard of his work. And it really puts what I've read of his in absolute focus comparing it to the Vietnam experience. Yes, yes, so definitely. Isn't he a vet? Isn't he a... No, he did serve, but he wasn't like in combat or anything. He was a Navy guy. But by means of being in the Navy, he, he knows enough of military life that he said for decades he's been getting plenty of com- comments from vets who's, who've read his work because uh, Black Company is not the only thing he's done, although it's the best thing and the, the biggest thing he's known for, from vets who are just like, dude, you you totally capture what it's like to be what it's like to be a, a you know a ground pounder, <laughs> just a just a, a guy serving on the front lines. So, and of course now now military fantasy, military science fiction is its is its own thing, and everybody's doing it. But he was one of the first. I think he was definitely the first for fantasy. And it's just amazing. Of course, Elisha Dusku loves the series herself, wants to play the main character, the lady, because there's all that rumor about the the Black Company TV series, which I think has not really moved forward. But I haven't heard anything moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. I haven't heard a thing. So but anyway, it's yeah. So Port of Shadows is the uh, latest story. And it brings back all the uh, all the old greats, uh, the ladies in, in there, uh, the limper, the captain, who he's actually um, a large character. There's a lot of him going on in this story. But, of course, Croker is the main focus character, the uh, the analyst and uh, physis, uh, physician of uh, the black company. Um, a great character in his own right. One of the one of the great classics of fantasy, I think. So, so I have been reading that on Kindle. Um, you see, this is why this is why we need everyone. When no matter how good or bad it is, when Amazon releases the Wheel of Time, when they release Lord of the Rings, mm. heck, heck, when any uh, when the next season of Witcher comes out, everybody watch it because the more fantasy that gets watched, the more eyes on it, the more chances we get a black company show. Yeah, really. And, you know, all sorts of stuff. I just I just want fantasy. I just want people throwing fireballs and, and waving swords. That's really all I want. I mean, I'm a simple man with simple desires. You know, it drives Andy crazy because, you know, I'm not I'm not that complicated in, in an alternative indie comic way. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I think that's I think that basically covers it. I've read a few other things on Kindle. Nothing to nothing to write home about, but yeah, that's it. What if once again can't can't get away from it? It's I think they're doing a wonderful job. I understand what you're saying, Jeff. It's no Wandavision, but <laughs> it um, I think that it's a it's a lot of fun regardless. So, and I can hardly wait to sh- Shang Chi. It I don't know. I may drop the three thirty bucks, watch it at home. I may. You know, maybe wait for the tide to receive. It did I, good I, numbers. So I don't believe that is an option, Kirsten. No, it I is. You can watch it at home, Shang Chi. I, I think I you watch I saw Plus, it. Yeah. If you pay, yeah. you have to pay. Dude, I don't think you I, can. Oh, okay, motherfucker. Right. You just throw that down, right? Don't I'm, you? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Disney down. Plus right now. 
because I think it's, gonna, I think it's an exclusive rollout to theaters. I'm going to show you. Oh boy, you just watch yourself. Ooh, there's Jungle Cruise. I may watch that one too. Oh um, shit, he's right. Who's right? Todd's right. Todd? Hmm? No. Uh, get, get used to it, motherfuckers. It's. I was gonna bite my tongue until you guys were done with your banter, but uh, that's part of what Scarlett Johansson is using in her lawsuit is that uh, they did that for Shang-Chi and made it an exclusive theatrical release and didn't put it on Disney Plus, but they did that with Black Widow. Well, shit. What the hell was I looking at that I was willing to spend 30 bucks on the watch? Uh, I don't know, but I'm curious I don't know. now. Probably I'm Crow curious. That's up there for now. There you go. That's yeah, right. Cause... Nope. Cruella is now available for I know, regular I watched, streaming. <laughs> I, watched about, I watched about 20 minutes. I'm like, wow, this is really sad. <laughs> is it bad? I was it, thinking of watching it in the next uh, couple it, weeks. Well done. And uh, I'm waiting for it to cut loose and be fun. But right now it's like, holy shit. No wonder she's evil. There's a reason. Oh. It's, it's very sad. So far. Really? Really? You need a reason to be evil? Are we going to excuse well, that, evil that and was, say it's that, okay? No, that was my problem. That's why I'm like, well, I, I didn't need a, I didn't need a background for her. I, I, I did kind of want to see her chew up the scenery, but uh, yeah, no. Well, then I don't know. Maybe in a couple weeks when nobody wants to watch it anymore, because I, I, it apparently did a real good job at the box office, right? Todd? That's going to be our lead story. Yeah. There you go. So, you know, Kirsten, you know, if you pick the right day and the right time. There's I looked. not a lot of people in the I theaters. Looked, Jeff. I looked, Jeff. I did some searching, and actually I was stunned at... Uh, it wasn't like the theaters were even half full, but they were full enough that I wasn't comfortable going. Mm. And especially since there were tons of fuckers who bought seats in my favorite row. Row J uh, at the Galaxy Theater. That's all you had to lead with, that, that yeah. your favorite uh, row. yeah. 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 My row that, is row J. You stay away from fucking J. We'll be okay. Because I'll, I'll admit too, if I if that if if the row that I like to sit in at Galaxy is taken, I will you know book the next viewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, Goldilocks! What the hell's wrong with you two? Oh, don't listen to case. you. Listen yeah. to Mister. I don't take showers. I you only know, take showers. <laughs> It's not that I haven't showered since I've been here for 18 months. I know. I'd love it if there's a bath here, but there isn't. No, you're just dragged, kicking and screaming into the shower by tentacles from hell as they force you to bathe. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah. No, I mean, you have to shower because that's the only thing that's here. And that's always been at the, uh, when I was in Iowa, there's only showers. And I definitely need to shower after being 14 hours a day in Iowa. Andy's um, hell, everybody. Andy's hell. <laughs> no, I mean, we're probably overplaying the bath thing. I, I don't take the baths to be clean. I, I, it's, it's a little spa. It's a little yeah, home no. spa, man. Soaking and enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't say that, Andy. Don't ever use that sentence again. Andy. <laughs> okay. Don't. He, just, you know. He lights the candles. <laughs> puts in the bath bomb. I do. Puts on the music. Africa disrobes a, completely a and, and, and just immerses himself in the beautifully scented water. And the room below the bathroom, you just hear, 
As he slides around the the tub. Bathtubs are not deep enough. That's a problem. Well, hell no. That's why I don't do them. I mean, Jesus, dude, it's it barely qualifies as a sits bath for someone I, like me. Yeah, I was going to say baths haven't been deep enough since I was like 17. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're just way, they're yeah. too short and too shallow. That's I know. I can't yeah. do it. Am I an old man with an itchy ass? What is this fucking thing? So uh, yeah. if you're a hobbit like me, they're, they're close yeah, enough. Really. Well, yeah, you could you could stand totally up and and drown. <laughs> Although Todd, you forgot to mention uh, sprinkling in the rose petals into the water before he yes, gets in. Yes, right. he does do that. He does do that if the season's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you get out of season rose petals. Only I've seen your Amazon day. from Africa. Do you really? Do you do? No, dude, don't give that face, Todd. Do you what, know that a, a metric dude, dude, a metric shit ton of our flowers? come from africa coastal regions right yes they know they 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 have giant plantations they farm the flowers they send them to the states to be distributed as bouquets wow a shit ton as sure as kilimanjaro rises above leprous above the serengeti yes god damn the leprous (laughs) jesus andy uh yes as sure as you don't give a shit about Thank God! Oh, oh my, my God, Lord. no, why? Save us. My buddy Scratch, his, his cat had something that had to have done with it, so it was like in the vet's place for a couple weeks. What? It... <laughs> wait, 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 Your wait. making no sense. Can that my start scratch. all over? <laughs> uh, uh, producer, performer. Um. Andy, I'm sorry, all I'm getting is, suppose the sound of the sound of the boss. <laughs> My friend, Scratch. Okay. Okay, okay. Oh. that that definitely <laughs> needed to be... Producer and uh, MC has a cat he loves very much named Albert. And Albert had to go into the vet's place for a couple weeks. Because mm. I don't know what the procedure was, but for some reason it made the cat radioactive. And he, he's like, now the cat's back, but he has to have a timer of how I can pet it. Because the cat's still kind of radioactive. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a friend of Andy's, and I've been a friend of Andy's for over 20 years. And I've got to tell everyone that's a typical Andy's friend story. <laughs> Good writing people. <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, news we don't give a shit about, Todd. Yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> It's it like, sounds oh like Andy God. already started. Ha ha! Oh! That's a radio pussy. I think that was in French. No, she don't give a shit about Enderby Entertainment's pandemic picture Zero Contract, starring Anthony Hopkins, will premiere on the new NFT platform Vule later this month, possibly. Sorry, what? Vule. Vule? Vule. V-U-E-L-E. Vule. Possibly the first time a feature-length film is offered for sale as a so-called non-fungible token. Wow. 
Viewle, which which means to be a direct to cons consumer NFT viewing and distribution platform, was formed last month amid a crypto NFT craze. It will let users buy exclusive limited edition films and collector content to watch, collect, sell, and trade on the platform. People can pay for the film with cryptocurrency or regular credit cards. Quote, everything about this film is unconventional from the way we shot it using Zoom and remote production to its distribution, said producer-director Dick Dugdale of Enderby. He's... <laughs> It's a good name. Doug that Dale. sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> I like it. Dick Are Doug we Dale. like Have it? Have got scoops writing fake news stories for us out there? <laughs> God damn it, Cat Squirrel. It's like, it's like in A Fish Called Wanda where he makes up the name the Fred Man Friend Jen Sen Jen. Rick Dugdale is a good porn name, I will say. Uh, he said, Viewlay will have four to five drops of zero contact, with the first one being in September. They'll include the film, plus extras still to be determined that would vary from token to token to create different price points. Uh, the idea is to develop a marketplace for the NFTs, which are basically digital assets placed in an encrypted blockchain with unique serial numbers. Quote, it creates scarcity in copies of the film and protects against piracy said Dugdale. Uh, NFT shot to prominence in March when the artist Beeple sold a collage at Christie's for $69 million as an NFT. Uh, dozens of NFT platforms have launched since for fine art, sports, music, games, and entertainment. By some accounts, the NFT market has cooled a bit since then, but it's still significant. Sales were $2.4 billion in the first half of 2021, according to data by DAP Radar, which tracks the industry. Wow. And new entrants continue to pop up. Viewle is basically... I still don't it, believe any of this. <laughs> Viewle is basically an fake. I'm, I'm calling bullshit on this. It gets no green light from me. <laughs> it's basically an experiment aiming to create a new revenue stream for the film industry. So, yeah, now they're making movies starring Anthony Hopkins to sell as NFTs, as collector items, I guess. They've got Anthony Ooh. Hopkins involved in douche nozzle productions. Come on. Man. <laughs> oh. Well, even Anthony Hopkins had to find work during the pandemic. They shot yeah. it on Zoom. Andy, the guy's got house payments. What are you doing? Although, yeah, I, I'm with you. This. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Although I, I do have to give them credit on one thing. Uh, selling movies as NFTs in the blockchain would kind of make it harder to pirate in a way, maybe? Although I guess someone could just buy that and then copy it using a video stream recorder and yeah, then then put it in Tortuga Land. Wow, way to break the market, Todd. Dude, Jeez. if I can break the pirate market, it is already goddamn broken. This market needs to be broken. <laughs> so... That happened. Weekend Geek! Yay! Wow, wow that was one item. That was, that was like, <laughs> like the last like week in the, the last uh, News Don't Give a Shit last like three years. <laughs> <laughs> and this one popped up at the last moment. We were going to yeah. go get away scot-free. Oh, damn. damn. Well, that's okay, because in the next two episodes, I bet we don't have any news we don't give a shit about. <laughs> Not at all, because I'm going to save them up. That's right. 
being all New Don't Give a Shit About episode. Uh, we call it the return of Andy. Yes. <laughs> Disney's plan of giving Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings an exclusive theatrical rollout has paid off. Oh. With no streaming option available to audiences, a la Black Widow, the film mm. was expected to close out the long holiday weekend with $83.5 million in North America. That wouldn't just make it the largest domestic opening of the COVID-19 pandemic. It would also take the title for biggest Labor Day opening in box office history. The previous record holder was Rob Zombie's Halloween remake, what? which opened with just over 30 million over Labor Day in 2007. Uh, moreover, Shang-Chi will be the only tentpole of the pandemic to come close to hitting the $100 million milestone at the box office during its very first weekend. Uh, Sony Pictures is so emboldened by Disney's financial triumph that the studio decided to move up Venom, Let There Be Carnage, by two weeks to the first Friday in October. As of Sunday, Shang-Chi made $71.4 million domestically, uh, falling about $9 million shy of Black Widow's three-day record of $80 million back in July, while Disney claimed a total of $215 million in opening sales for the Black Widow solo adventure. That figure was actually beefed up with streaming purchases via Disney Plus Premier Access. So for strictly looking at box office returns through Monday, however, Legend of the Ten Rings comes out on top. Nice. Has that been uh, been released in China yet? I assume so. It had a uh, worldwide release. Okay. I bet the Chinese numbers are huge. Yeah, there's uh, there's uh, <laughs> over a billion of them. I'm just saying it, it's, it's a very Chinese movie. I'm I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just I love where we've gone in the world because all three of us were just like, okay, Andy. What so, <laughs> I'm not touching this. Wow. <laughs> I am not touching this. <laughs> ah. So yeah, people love themselves from Shang Chi, and they're they're showing up yeah. in droves to do it. Go Shang Chi. I'm I'm just yeah. I'm happy when any Marvel movies a success, but this one in particular is uh, it's pretty. Although. Before people get too excited about those uh, those fucking Labor Day numbers, when I went looking at Galaxy, I was looking at like $12 and $15 ticket prices. So in terms of raw dollars bought in, I don't know how many tickets are being sold, but those tickets are expensive. Oh, Shang-Chi, uh, mid-credit and end-credit. Stay to the end, eh? Yep. 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 Good. Nerds Candy will be selling limited edition gummy clusters and Rainbow Nerds theater box packaging featuring new D&D-inspired nerds characters. Ooh. Lasting from, well, September 1st all the way through December 2021, customers can upload their receipts to unlock an exclusive campaign called Restoring Harmony. Quote, uh, from the website, after uploading the first receipt, fans will gain access to a single PDF adventure and character sheet that can be run in under an hour by a dungeon master and one player taking on the role of a nerd's character starting at level one. Restoring hmm. Harmony features the six different nerds characters, each representing a different type of nerds personality, curiosity, creativity, spontaneity, deep thinking, logic and humor. 
that's the core of our show. And this time, each will that's be transformed true. into an iconic Dungeons & Dragons class, unquote. So you will need seven receipts total to unlock the whole adventure, which will take characters from level one to level three. Uh, not only do you gain access to the Restoring Harmony adventure, you can also enter a sweepstakes to win introductory gear to play D&D, including D&D starter sets, D&D essentials kits, player's handbooks, monster manuals, and dungeon master guides. Great. When's Elena running it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know... And as fans of Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons has come a long way. Mm. But I think we've hit a new level when not only has it hit this level of mass marketing with a product, but the product is also selling the product as a chase, a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Yeah. That's new. That's different. I mean, Wendy's sure sold their own little RPG and so on. That that was pretty exciting. But this is official. That that was yeah. them creating their own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have. Uh, I I just found it. They have their own web page. It's dnd.wizards.com forward slash nerds. They have a little video that you can watch about it. They have your the stuff that you were just talking about where you're being able to download the adventure. And they also have wallpaper featuring the six different characters. They have a rogue wallpaper, wizard, cleric, fighter, ranger, and last but not least, bard. I was really afraid when you started this. It's going to be some sort of fungible bullshit. So I thought your story was going to. (laughs) (laughs) Andy's on board until it becomes fungible. Then it's like, fuck it. That's right. There is no fun in fungible. <laughs> but it starts with fun, Andy. Oh. And then it ends quickly. Nobody wants jibble. I'm so I'm I'm happy. I'm ha- happy with yeah. this with this sellout, if you will, because we've come a long way, baby. Mm-hmm. Hell, if you bought nerds in the eighties and played D and D, you'd make the news for being evil. Right. In the That's Midwest. True. We didn't care out here in New England. That's a good point, Midwest. Oh, we're, we're past our witch burning days. <laughs> yeah, that's what you guys say. Yeah, well, that's oh, good. Well, I had to start somewhere. This week hurt me big time. This week we lost Michael K. Williams, yeah. the Emmy-nominated actor best known for playing Omar Little on The Wire. He died at the age of 54. Williams was a decorated screen star, having been nominated for three Emmys across his career. For his performances in uh, the Bessie, uh, the Night of, and When They See Us, and with one Emmy still pending for his role in Lovecraft Country. However, it was Williams' role in The Wire that brought him to international attention. He appeared in 41 episodes as Baltimore legend Omar Little, with his performance being so widely loved that Barack Obama once called Omar his favorite character in his favorite TV show. Wow. Uh, following, following The Wire, Williams portrayed Chalky White on the HBO series Boardwalk Empire, winning further acclaim. He also played Leonard Pine in Hap and Leonard for AMC. Uh, the actor appeared in the Best Picture winner 12 Years a Slave, the video game adaptation Assassin's Creed, and the recent Ghostbusters remake and The Road, amongst many, many others. I loved him. He was, he's an actor that if he's in it, I will watch it. Yeah, uh, So much so that he is a lot of what made Happen Leonard so good as a TV show. 
when I finally got my reading mojo back, I kind of got it back by reading Happen Leonard novels. And in fact, I'm still on the tear. I think I'm on the ninth book right now. And ever since he was in that show, those two actors are the way I see Happen Leonard because they nailed, nailed those characters. And I, I wish it could have gotten more than three seasons, but I was happy with three seasons I got. And a lot of that just plain has to do with him. Yeah, I I remember him uh, from Boardwalk Empire as Chalky White, and uh, I loved him as an actor, and I loved that ca- I loved uh, his his character. It was actually kind of heartbreaking to read. I remember him on an episode of Law and Order, and that was my first introduction to him with actually getting to know who the actual actor was because I'd seen him in other things. I wasn't. I guess conscious of who he was, but he was in a, a guest starring role on law and order. And that was after he'd kind of been established. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Now I know who this is. And that's where I kind of began to see him in other things like, uh, caught him in the wire and boardwalk empire. And, and, uh, as Todd mentioned, he was a big fan of happen Leonard. He was watching that all the time. And since I've been picturing him every night when I read, He's been really in my head lately, and so when this happened, I just I don't tear up with a lot of uh, death announcements like this, but this one I certainly did. Mm-hmm. Michael and K. Fi- Williams, he will be missed. Yeah, and fifty-four. That's just so young in your career yeah. to get yeah, that's that kind of loss. A new documentary is being released titled Butterfly in the Sky, all about the series Reading Rainbow, which was hosted by LeVar Burton for 23 years. The documentary, quote, chronicles the journeys of a handful of broadcasters, educators, filmmakers, and hosts who believe television could inspire a lifelong love of reading, unquote. It will explore the show's long run and will feature archival footage and interviews with Burton as well as many others. Butterfly in the Sky is being directed by Jasper Mall duo Bradford Thomason and Brett Whitcomb and is produced by Side Stilt Films. Yeah, I just, this is uh, nice. This is yeah. nice. I mean, f- after all the wonderful documentaries on Fred Rogers and Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers' Neighborhood, uh, I-, I think that Reading Rainbow is owed just as much to do. Though Fred Rogers was a, probably a bigger influence overall Reading Rainbow was a big influence on us as well. Now, oh yeah, I still remember the episode where he took the audience onto a tour of Star Trek: The Next Generation set, uh, and I believe it was season one at the time. That almost broke my brain because I was a fan of Reading Rainbow, and I I knew Lavar Burton was playing Geordi LaForge, and I was watching that, but it was one of those weird like moments in your head when you're I thought it would have been 87 so I would have been what 13 uh it's just one of those weird things like wait a minute here's two things I like being connected together and oh yeah it's the same person in both of these things and it's like you kind of still know that in your head but when you actually see him taking you on a tour of the sets you're like oh wow yeah it's the same person I definitely loved Reading Rainbow. We got the Reading Rainbow documentary. We've got a Bob Ross documentary. We've got the, uh, the Fred Rogers documentary. The next logical thing is to do a 
Ken Burns documentary about Ken Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Will it be 12 hours long and make me fall asleep every time I try to start watching it? Absolutely. Oh, snap. And I say that with, with all due respect, because I do like Ken Burns, but man, <laughs> I have such a hard time getting those, getting his documentary started because the material starts off so dry before it gets really entertaining. And mm. I know it's his style, but it's, it, it puts me to sleep, and I have to start it over again, and I have to start it over again until I can really get deep into the the meaty portion of the documentary, but... Man, it's so hard to get into him. He's nothing if not thorough. Oh yeah, no, he's yeah. he's ridiculously thorough. Yeah. I, I I feel you. I, I I read a well. I listen to. I listen to a lot of audiobooks when I'm painting, uh, and I listen to a lot of biographies when I'm painting. And some biographers really go deep. Like I'm, lis- I'm listening to Jim Henson. That's the yeah. Jim, Jim mm-hmm. Henson biography. It doesn't start with his parents. It starts with his great grandparents, and I'm basically going through three generations of Hensons before I even get to him. And oh, I'm like, wow. I, I'm like, and it's a whole Ken Burns thing. I'm like, I appreciate how much research you did into the family history of Jim Henson, but that's mm-hmm. not why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Is it narrated by Kermit? Because I'd love to hear that. Well, what's wonderful is that. It, it opens up with the introductory scene, the, the classic scene of Kermit from Sesame Street with the young girl that is seeing ABCs with Kermit and interrupts with Cookie Monster every now and then. It's a classic Sesame Street bit, Sesame Street bit. And it kind of goes the, behind that whole thing, de- describing the whole scene from the production and puppeteer point of view of that, that, that wonderful heartwarming moment and just kind of sets up the person that Jim Henson was. So, but the person that's reading it does a great Kermit voice. Oh, excellent. So, so there is Kermit in it. Yes. So, right. uh, so I haven't gotten far. And again, when you start to be aware that you're going to go way back, uh, like pr- triple pre-seed of uh, Henson, at, like human seed. No, I get it. I, yeah, okay. I, I've never heard it be used a phrase before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's taken a little bit. Of my, it's taken a little bit to wrap my brain around that. <laughs> so it's, but whoever's reading it, prime job. All right. As side note, Barry, try to corner SesameStream.com because. <laughs> We have, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna hold those bastards over a barrel, and we'll make a mint. <laughs> Just grab that shit. Universal Pictures is producing an adaptation of Brian Freeman's novel *Infinite and Fast and Furious*. Writer Chris Morgan is producing the film, with Thomas Dean Donnelly and Joshua Oppenheimer writing the script. These. Story follows a character named Dylan Moran, quote, who, after being consumed by grief after losing his wife, begins hallucinating sinister versions of himself lurking in the shadows. When he ends up accused of murder, Moran undergoes a hypnotherapy treatment built on the idea that with every choice he makes, he creates an infinite number of parallel universes. It's then that he discovers he's not insane at all. There's another version of himself from another reality, a psychopath that not only ruined his life, but countless other Dylans. Can Dylan stop this doppelganger before he strikes again, or will he lose himself to himself? 
Donnelly and Oppenheimer have previously worked on Conan the Barbarian, uh, Sahara, Uncharted, and they're currently working on Vanguard 2 for Jackie Chan and Look at Me, an NBC Hour drama pilot based on the life of deaf activist Niall DiMarco. Sahara the movie? Yes? <laughs> no, the breakfast series. <laughs> no, I think there's a video game, too. <laughs> Oops, nothing but berries. Sahara cereal. <laughs> that's, that, that's triple layers, wow. Kirsten. I, I, I don't, I don't know. The, uh, that's triple precede, man. This, <laughs> this, uh, this otherworldly psychopath thing, it, I don't know. I'm beginning to think it kind of explains Andy. It, it sounds very Rick and Morty, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> Otherworldly does. psychopath. I mean, come yes, on. Yes, it does actually. Ruin oh my God! Did anybody see the uh, countless others? Did anybody see the uh, the the little five second blip they did of uh, of uh, Christopher Lloyd? Uh, you, which which it? one? There's three of them. Oh, I've only seen the one. I just saw them. Yep. There's three of them. Uh, they yeah. They're all. A lot of fun. I, I, I have to give them kudos. There's about 20 total seconds of live action footage. Yeah, each one's like six seconds long. But the, fi- the final one they did was Christopher Lloyd doing the uh, Rick and Morty 100 years from the season one finale. Where as, as Morty's twitching <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> and I guess the director told him, he's like, just go nuts. Just, you know, you know just bring it. <laughs> and he did. It's awesome. Pinball is getting achievements. Stern is rolling out something called Insider Connected, a pinball machine upgrade for recognizing individual players, tracking their play, and rewarding their achievements. It won't be available for every Stern pinball machine because some of the company's machines are decades old and lack the hardware needed. As a result, Insider Connected will only be available on Stern's more modern Spike 2 LCD games. Starting this month... Seven pinball machines will start shipping with the insider-connected hardware upgrades already installed, while existing machines can be modified using an upgrade kit that includes a QR scanner and a wireless internet dongle. Insider Connected will allow pinball players to keep tabs on what machines they've played, their high scores on each table, and time spent. It will also introduce unlockable achievements, badges, and challenges. Uh, The Insider Connected service will also introduce in-game reward currencies, Stern Gold Coins, which can be exchanged for merchandise, gameplay discounts, or in-game power-ups from the company directly, and tokens that local operators can opt into and define the worth of, allowing players to exchange them for, for rewards like free plays or free food from the arcade's concessions. Not the best name, Insider Connected, is a horrible name mm-hmm. for whatever this is, but I am all yep. in on it. And Barry, you, this is it. You're finished. Your, your, your pinball days are numbered because this, I'm sure this will allow for you know friends within the system, and, and then we can compare scores, what, whatever Stern machines you play, and, and therefore I can own you Entirely like I already do. All right, and so you get the cooler T-shirt. I always have the cooler T-shirt. Kirsten, do you have ghosts in your house or something? I have a cat. Oh, I don't need okay. ghosts. Gotcha. I've got a cat who's decided it's about time to have some fun. 
So I'm trying to keep them a little occupied while Todd talks about how Barry is done. Your your attention is not on him, and so he needs to draw your attention back from the podcast. You're talking about Barry or the cat? Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> yes. just like, thank yes. you, Jeff. <laughs> I was really confused what was going on, but now it's all so clear. He's just jealous of us. <laughs> he misses you guys. He wants to be, you know, sitting in your chair, Jeff, and rubbing on Todd's console, soundboard console. And, I just want to be know, clear: we are talking about Barry here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. should set up the, uh, the shitting on table. on Andy's chest. <laughs> that that was oh, Bob's chest. That was Bob's chest. <laughs> it was so funny. I remember mentioning that to. Uh, to Biggs, Professor Biggs. And I was just like, what cat, what happened that a cat decided it needed to shit on Andy's chest? And and Steve actually laughed and went, yeah, they don't do that. <laughs> this one did. So it's like, this was a very... I don't, don't want to know the truth about Andy that a cat was motivated to shit on his chest. I just don't. Um, I just don't want to know what he did. I, I, I'll tell you what I did. It wasn't that bad. It was. Uh, I, <laughs> I was sleeping very soundly, and the cat got. I didn't know the cat was in my room, and it got locked in my room away from his litter box, and so apparently it meowed enough, and I didn't wake up. So it decided shitting is the way to go. <laughs> You're right, Kirsten. Somewhere along the line, Andy broke the multiverse and has been paying for it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> he, he found that absolute point and he went for it and so yes shitting on andy's chest which yeah, is a makes- great time to change the subject to red light green light red light green light such a fun game to play yeah. doesn't matter what you say they're gonna make this shit anyway Hey, red light, green light. Jeff doesn't know there's a song. <laughs> Andy, try to salvage your dignity. It's not going to work. What? When did I have dignity? Wait, yeah. what? That's a good question. I, that was going to be my question. <laughs> Boy, that's a, that's a great 1990s uh, self-hate indie comic title. When did I have dignity? Definitely a uh, Nina Paley joint. Yeah, hmm. Dan Close. Sounds like Close? a Irma Bombeck thing to me. <laughs> Irma Bombeck. When did I have dignity? When she ventured into comics. <laughs> People don't know too much about it, but it actually happened. Oh, shit. Now I don't know if you're faking it or not. <laughs> Good job, Kay. Damn it. Damn it. There you go. I needed to in- insert a cum joke just so Andy would go, oh, it's fake. Okay. <laughs> so I bring this uh, meaning of that. <laughs> yes, Todd. To order. All right. Uh, before a cat gets <laughs> my chest. We got four pitches here. One of them or more may be fake. The pitches this week are The Master, Rats of Nim, Hide, and Dead Boy Detectives. Those are your shows, and you get one green light. We will start with the first. 
The BBC has announced development of The Master as an adult-oriented Doctor Who spin-off following the misadventures of the Doctor's favorite Time Lord enemy. John Sim returns to reprise his role as the Doctor's childhood friend, The Master, bouncing through time, making mischief and mayhem as he goes. Derek Jacoby, David Tennant, and Billy Piper have been contracted to make appearances in the series. The series is written and executive produced for the BBC by Doctor Who showrunner Stephen Moffat. The series will begin production in Cardiff in 2022. So that's the master. If, if you, A lot of you aren't Whovians. So if you don't know the master, he's kind of the Loki of Doctor Who. Yeah. I don't care. Derek Jacoby? I'm in. He, I think he played the master originally, didn't he? I have no clue, but I love him. No, oh, oh. We can't look at the internet, I know. so I, I, I don't I, know. I, I, was, I started to. Andy? I stopped myself. God damn it. Well, there's only one person here that's a true dyed-to-the-wool. I've seen most of them Whovian, and that's Jeff. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the last three people that played the master, because that was the... <laughs> I mean, there's there's literally been three different actors in the in the modern series that have played the 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 master. I can't think of the the actor the different actors' names. Uh, well, actually, I take that back. I remember one of them, Michelle Gomez, because she was the first female incarnation of the master. But the this other two actors before she worked with Martin Short and Steve Martin. Michelle Gomez, not Selena oh. Gomez. Oh, I'm sorry. Michelle Gomez, uh, you might remember her more recently. Uh, She was in The Flight Attendant with Kaylee Cuoco. Oh. Yeah, I haven't watched it. You should watch it. It's a fun series. I know. And she's left the other guy, and she's now with this other guy. So, you know, Kaylee Cuoco. She's divorced and hanging out with Pete Davison. Oh. who, Who used to bang Ariana Grande. So Right. This Davison character, he's really running the... Jesus. Yeah. I blame the smart water. I right. don't know. He's checking off bucket list points like nobody's business. Right, right. Anyway, Selena Gomez. Okay, so the master... I love Derek <laughs> Jacoby, so... All right, let's see how it stacks against Rats of Nim. An animated series based on Robert C. O'Brien's Rats of Nim book series is in the works at Fox. The animated drama is based on the trilogy of books that began in 1971 with O'Brien's Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. It was followed by Rasco and the Rats of Nim and R.T. Margaret and the Rats of Nim, both written by O'Brien's daughter, Janie Leslie Connolly. The series follows Mrs. Frisbee, a mouse who, in an effort to save her family, goes on a spectacular journey through an unfamiliar and underground world to discover a colony of escaped super-intelligent lab rats who help her on a thrilling adventure to relocate her home before the plows and exterminators arrive. The project is based on the books rather than the Secret of Nim animated movie directed by Don Bluth that came out in 1982. So what do you think of Rats of Nim? Well, the fact it's based on the books makes me happy because that weird mystical crap in the uh, the animated one is like that's eh, not in the book and doesn't need to be in here. Wow, that was eighty two. Jesus, 
I have very vivid memory of seeing that movie, too. Wow. I'm like seeing gray appear at your temples as we do this podcast, <laughs> Jeff. It's amazing. You're aging yeah. before my eyes. Right. <laughs> um, Andy, on the other hand, still looks young. I don't know how oh, he yeah. does it. I, I vote for I, it because Andy and rats and we all know. So. Yep. I, I have to admit, I'm not familiar enough with the actual literature that it the movie was based on to know whether this is something I would be interested in. Yes, it is. Well, <laughs> the the phrase the phrase based on the books right, right. there is is uh, gets my attention because of all the liberties people take. I didn't know how much liberty uh, Disney actually took, so I, I don't I don't know hell about Secret of Nim, but that wasn't Disney. Uh, Don, Bluth. Don Bluth's yeah. pseudo Disney. So, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, original source material. Yeah. That's what movies and TV do best is copy. All right, let's see how it stacks against Hyde. That's spelled H I D E. Peacock is developing a show called Hyde. David Tennant will be starring alongside his real life wife, Georgia Tennant, uh, who is in Doctor Who and Merlin. The hour-long series updates author Robert Louis Stevenson's 1886 double identity tale, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. With the two tenants in the lead, though Hyde will unfold its split personality story with a modern-day twist. Quote, a Jekyll and Hyde tale by way of a conspiracy thriller. A disgraced journalist stumbles upon a story that could resurrect his career, the network teases. But he quickly learns he's seen something he shouldn't have and now is the target of unknown adversaries who will do anything to silence him. On the run, as people around him go missing or die, a serious accident has an extraordinary side effect and he realizes there are monsters in the world and he may be one of them, unquote. In addition to starring, the tenants are also on board as executive producers alongside Michael Fazerkis and Tara Butters, who was uh, part of Agent Carter, both of whom will also write the series and serve as showrunners. Also executive producing is Julie Ann Robinson, who did Castle Rock and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and she will also direct. Stevenson's original tale narrated the dark, double-edged tragedy that unfolds as a mild-mannered Dr. Jekyll tries to find a guilt-free way to tap into his bad side. Thinking he solved the problem with science, the good doctor concocts a potion meant to remove his sense of hesitation and remorse for evil deeds under his Mr. Hyde persona. So what do you think of Hyde? No, I, I, it's a different. I mean, the BBC did a Hyde mini series. It was very good. Uh, but this is a weird enough take on it that I'm intrigued. David Tennant, enough said. I think I'd be more interested in seeing the story of Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive. Hey, there you go. Hey, yo, man, that shit ain't funny. <laughs> it seems like they've done a lot of different. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde versions over the decades. So I Name don't know. Name two. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's a cheat. That's uh, a how cheat. Many, how many times have they remade that movie? <clears throat> oh, God, Jeff. I mean, well, easily cheater, enough. pumpkin eater. Uh, and I can't use the internet right now, Kirsten. So off that's the top right. of my head, I can't. That's right. I, can only I can't think specifically of... quote you the names of the movies because, well... There we go. That's my point. I can only think of two or three 
uh, remakes of Hyde, although uh, the Hulk is on on there too. I mean, in the initial. Well, uh, yeah, but you're talking about the concept. The concept is. Let's not do Hyde because of Hulk. I just mean the concept has been done to death. I'm I'm saying I don't think it's been done to death. I can only think of a few places it's been done. And I like Jeff and Andy fighting, so. And finally, that stacks up against Greg Berlanti teaming up with HBO Max for a pilot of Dead Boy Detectives, a DC slash Vertigo comic inspired by the Sandman universe created by Neil Neil Gaiman. Written by Mark Buckenheim and Toby Litt, the book follows a pair of deceased boys, Charles Rowland and Edward Payne, who forego a ticket to the afterlife in order to remain on Earth, solving mysteries via supernatural means. The characters are slated to appear in the upcoming third season of Doom Patrol. However, there's no confirmation that that appearance is related to a pilot for the potential standalone series. Uh, Steve Yaki, who was part of Supernatural and The Flight Attendant, is locked in to write and executive produce the pilot episode. Berlanti and Jeremy Carver, creator and showrunners of Doom Patrol, will executive produce. And production is expected to kick off sometime in November. Gaiman is not involved with Dead Boy Detectives pilot. Uh, Charles and Edwin first appeared in a Sandman issue published in the early 1990s. Their spin-off book spanned 12 installments between 2013 and 14, and a four-issue miniseries from Ed Brubaker, Brian Talbot, and Steve Liola was released in 2001. So what do you think of Dead Boy Detectives? Basically a supernatural Hardy Boys. Yeah, it's a fun concept. It was a fun com- concept in the comics. I could see this working very well. I mean, if it's going to be spun off of Doom Patrol, I'm all in on it because I really enjoyed Doom Patrol the last couple seasons. I'm very eagerly anticipating the uh, the launch of the next season coming up here. Um, I'm not familiar enough with the characters to, to say I'm super excited about it, but like I said, you know, if it's being spun out of Doom Patrol, I'm definitely uh, interested. And there you have it. There's your four choices. Dead Boy Detectives, Hyde, Rats of Nim, and The Master. So with those four pitches in your pocket, where do you put your green light, Andy? Oh, they're all good, which is unfortunate. Uh, there's no, there's no uh, fungible bullshit in this one this time. Um <laughs> Honestly, Dead Boy Detective sounds like it's got the most legs, most possibility. All right, Jeff, where do you put your green? Yeah, I think I also want to go with Dead Boy Detectives just because uh, if if they can capture that feel of the universe that they've created for for Doom Patrol, Berlanti's been really good about world building. I, I really like not just the stuff that he's done with the CW, but the worlds that he's built with both Titans and Doom Patrol. So I, I think that could be very good for, for Dead Boy Detective. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that, that notion. Kirsten, where do you put your green? Well, you know what? These are all good. Like Andy said, the master has a... Remind me, Todd, what is the master? It's, that's the uh, Doctor Who spinoff, but... Doctor, Doctor Who, Who spinoff. But a, but if Loki was basically the Derek Jacoby, I mean, right there is a name that's going to bring me up short and make me make me take notice. And oh man, shit, Rats of Nim. 
I actually like the idea because of of referencing the original source material. That I think would be a lot of fun. And Dead Boy Detectives act as the guys have said, as Andy and Jeff have said, is is definitely sounds good. But right now, I'm I'm going to split the difference between Derek Jacoby and David Tennant, and because Tennant is the man in Hyde, I actually I actually want to. I want to push for Hyde. So my vote is for Hyde and David Tennant. All right. And that means with two greens, Dead Boy Detectives is our show going forward. So with that going forward, which of these do you believe are fake? Andy. I'd love it to be real, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that Rats of Nim is a personal attack on me. Somebody targeted my love of rats and wrote that <laughs> just to get me to go for it. Jeff, what do you think is fake? I think the master is fake because I don't know. I don't feel like they are that that character is developed enough to be made into a series at this time. Uh, even with you know the nearly sixty years of material they have, it's always like one or two episodes that that character appears in. So uh, I'm gonna go with the master. Kirsten, what do you think is fake? I'll go with Rats of Nim because if you're trying to cause Andy pain, I will give you support. (laughs) (laughs) The fake one this week was sent to us by Chris Roberts from Across the Pond. Also calls himself Jake's dad. So, uh, (laughs) yay, Jake's dad. (laughs) So, thank you, Chris, for sending in the master as the fake. So good job, man. I, I like yeah. the idea of the the, the master in the uh, a, a time lord that's out to do chaos. Is yeah, a fun idea. I hope some. I hope we do have a few you know monkeys out there that are actually Hollywood producers because our our monkeys are coming up with some damn good ideas. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. And that means Rats of Nim, Hyde, and Dead Boy Detectives are indeed in some form of development. Nice. Hyde H-I-D-E. H-I-D-E? Yeah, H-I-D-E. And it's all capitalized in the, whenever they mentioned it in official words. So Hmm. I'm wondering if that means something, like it's an acronym or something. And and, uh, I haven't seen Georgia Tennant in a whole lot, uh, but she played the Doctor's Daughter in the episode The Doctor's Daughter of Doctor Who, and it is a very heartfelt episode and a very interesting character. So there's not many extra characters in Doctor Who I remember, but hers I do. So Yeah. In fact, I think they met in that they episode, did. if I remember they right. They did. And the other interesting trivia bit is she's the daughter of Peter Davidson, who played the fifth um, doctor. Okay. Ah, keep I it in the family. That was the one. Yeah. And if you have a pitch to write to us, send it to us, comments at UglyCouchShow.com, and put pitches bitches in the subject heading, (laughs) and put the (laughs) pitch in the body. And if you don't want me to edit it, please let me know. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Back check, Andy. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. What broke you up there, because whenever Jeff's microphone breaks up, he sounds drunk. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't hear any of it. 
<laughs> My point exactly. What she's talking about. You <laughs> bastard. Todd. I hate you. I hate you uh, so much. How many times I've heard that from his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> The, the the mystery thermos. I think that's yep. a J.J. Abrams thing. Yeah, no, it's a... Yeah. It's very what's in the box, but in this respect, you don't really care what's in the oh, box. Oh, hello. Yeah, you Jeff had... You okay Jeff there, had Jeff? Big, you couldn't hear it, Jeff, but you broke up really bad there. Oh. Yeah. All right. Don't rub your socks across the carpet while you're talking. <laughs> uh, your I don't have carpet where I'm at. <laughs> Nor does he have socks. No, Wait, I have a big fucking carpet thing. <laughs> uh, guy that works for uh, Ant Man and with, with Michael Pena, uh, the other the, the Russian thug turned uh, uh, security expert is in it, which is a My, fun old addition. Michael Pena. Pena is pineapple. <laughs> Pena is his name. <laughs> yes, and what does it mean? What does his name mean? Does it mean and pineapple? Feige. Todd, <laughs> well, while said. we're on the subject, I've worked hard on it. I've I finally fixed it. I know it's Fige. I've got it. Jesus, sure as Kilimanjaro rises like a leprous above the Serengeti. Hey, shock monkeys! We did bring up bath bombs earlier, so we might as well talk about the Geek Shock bath bombs. You can get them on geekshock.com slash bath bombs in our store. Enjoy all the great scents that we offer. Very rare scents like um, uh, I don't have any hot water. There's uh, my personal favorite. Did I wear this underwear yesterday? Andy's favorite, burnt toast. So make sure to grab some Geek Shock bath bombs. You never know when you're going to find that excellent smell, that scent that defines you and uh, makes you a popular addition to any social setting. Don't forget our ever-popular nonsense. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, baby. Yeah. And then our scent, Rim Shot, which... Oh, yeah. (laughs) You You don't want to smell that. The rim shot bath bomb. Yeah, no. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so I went and sang karaoke this week. Jesus, how drunk did yeah. you get? Pretty drunk. What'd he you got sing? Wong drunk. I uh, Wong drunk. Yeah, uh, Viva Las Vegas. That's it. One song. There's a lot of people there, and everybody was singing. <laughs> No. Yeah, Kirsten, if you've never been to karaoke, you're lucky if you get one song, if it's a good, if it's a place that has a large crowd. Yeah, That's I've true. been to karaoke, and, you know, I also know Andy's capacity for wanting attention, so right, I was just... Right. Well, it was, like, only my second time actually doing karaoke. And the first time I sang uh, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, which is a deep cut, and uh, yeah. mm-hmm. you don't do deep cuts at karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> They're not <laughs> crowd pleasers. Although, at this one... A guy sang the uh, the King King George song from uh, Hamilton. That was fun. Yeah, uh, and he also sang the uh, Mulan song. The uh, he also so this guy got two, but you only got one. This guy, this guy sang early and then got her on the second round. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he sang uh, uh, the um, the Donny Osmond song from Mulan, uh, "Make You a Man" song. 
I probably could have gotten in there and uh, got another song or two in, but honestly, it took me a while to get drunk enough to get myself on there in the first place. So, <laughs> before the I forget, it was way to go. That's definitely a crowd pleaser, even in Chicopee. Before I forget, it's an Elvis Todd. song. What's that, Jeff? It's Jeff, we're talking oh. karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, actually. Oh, I froze him with that. Uh, Elvis is not a crowd. I mean, I was at a, one of those person? private karaoke rooms um, with a with a bunch of character artists, and I tried to sing "Viva Las Vegas," and uh, they didn't have it, so I was like, "Ah, some other Elvis song." So it was "Hound Dog." Hound Dog has eight lines repeated forever. Yeah, that's why I can't listen to it. Oh no. my god! And Here, and here's a little tip: a lot of Elvis songs are that way. Yeah. And having heard the the original version, which is so much better, it hurts me to hear his version now. Heartbreak Hotel. Mm. There you go. Andy, that's what I want you to do. Yeah, yeah I think you'd nail it. Yeah, I could probably <laughs> do that. <laughs> it's in my range. Jeff, what's the most obscure song you've sung at karaoke? Uh, wow, most obscure. Well, I know I gave up Mr. Roboto one time because uh, somebody else wanted to sing it really bad. So I never actually got to do that one. <laughs> How obscure really can it be if you're fighting with somebody to do yeah, it? Yeah, really. Well, it was, somebody, it was somebody I knew that I had already put in for it. And they're like, oh, I wanted to do that. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. It was Andy, no. wasn't it? Uh, no, uh, it was our actually good pal Doug X long time ago. That sounds like a Doug X choice. Good, good, good on you giving it up. Well, he did the whole show, which I, I couldn't have done. Well, well, I, wait, wow. wait, do you, wait, when you said he did the whole show, does you mean that he did the entire album Kilroy was here? No, 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 no. I mean, he <laughs> being, being an entertainer, he made the, the singing a lot more entertaining than oh, I could okay, have. Okay. Uh, gotcha. I think my most obscure one would have either been uh, uh, Weird Al's White and Nerdy. Mm-hmm, that's good. Or uh, Elemental by Tears for Fears, which nobody knows. Yeah, I don't wow. know. Well, uh, wow. one time I watched Paul do karaoke, and he started with uh, Men Without Hats Safety Dance, but halfway through changed it up to Brady Bunch. Yes, and I think I was there impressive. for that as well, sir. That, that was, was, that was a fine performance. You know, Todd, um, I was just thinking about... <laughs> times that i've watched you karaoke uh i think the most difficult song you ever did was led zeppelin's cap cashmere dude oh, that was yes. a tough one because <laughs> like neither oh. you nor it was rockstar karaoke kirsten so that was the live band performing oh they had forgotten that they had that in the mix and then they also <laughs> forgot that it was like seven and a half minutes long T- todd made him regret it <laughs> Well, Todd had trouble keeping the voice going, too. I mean, he Dude. did an um, admiral job, but like it's about halfway demanding. through, even, even he was getting exhausted. <laughs> well, I have to go now and change my will, because my will directs that when my coffin is lowered into my grave, cashmere be played. But uh, now that I know he does it, uh, Todd, <laughs> I'm going to want you singing it. Dude, uh-huh. you'll be glad you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten, you, you really need to work on your, your, your fart noises. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's tough. You know, you got your arms, but you get right. close to the mic. And, right. I don't know. That's better. That's, that's a little better. I, I don't maybe, know. I maybe you just, switch up your style. I, 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 I probably should just roar. 
There we go. Microphone. Thank you, Andy. Again. <laughs> it's funny. Andy doesn't even do the fart noise, but there he is just taking it away from me <laughs> like he does everything. Do the arm. <laughs> God, that, that sounds like an elephant giving birth. <laughs> I don't know. That or a balloon losing its innards. <laughs> oh, my God. It's crowning. It's crowning. <laughs> I'll have to work on that. It's going to be so confused. That's okay. Toddle edited in post. We're going to sound so goddamn funny. A psychopath that not only ruined his life, but countless other. I lost my place. The series will begin. The series will be. The series will begin production in Cardiff. Dead Boy Detectives is our show going forward. <laughs> that was good timing. Yeah. Someone forgot to put their phone on silent. Yeah. <laughs> but but now I won't forget to eat dinner. Apparently. <laughs> That's what that was. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. Uh, put bitches, put bitches in five. <laughs> bitches, bitches. <laughs> bitches, bitches. Just write bitches in the subject. Why not? Really glamorizing smoking. And, it's, and, of course, I'm very anti-smoking. I think it's disgusting. I've never understood the glamour behind it. And watching all this has actually been kind of, kind of, sort of hilarious to me, but also a little bit repugnant. Well, that explains why Netflix picked up the Mask uh, series. It's spoken. <laughs> oh, Christ. Thank you, Andy. Thank <laughs> you. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jeffrey, I agree with you. That's, uh, we lost Todd completely, so. Oh, right. Todd, Todd, <laughs> doesn't know what Todd doesn't know what they're now. <laughs> Todd's just like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>